I have enjoyed this day, and I hope that you have enjoyed it too. It has been a time to see familiar faces and reunite with old friends and to see some new faces and make some new friends. I've enjoyed that. I've noticed this. Those familiar faces, I'm not going to call them old folks, but that's what we are. They have slowed down a little bit in their steps, just like me. Maybe even have to hang on to this thing when you step up here. We stoop over just a little more than we used to. And somebody reminded me, they remember me with black hair. Well, I still got some anyway. But it certainly isn't black anymore. Changes happen. We grow older. And it's not a question of if we're going to die. It's a matter of when. I speak as a dying man to dying people. We're all dying. It's just a matter of when. When I was young, I didn't think much about it. thought I was invincible. Now that I'm old, I think a lot about it. When we get the newspaper, the first thing I look at is the obituaries to see how old they were. I'm not kidding you. I do that. And I notice a lot of them are younger than me. And that sobers me. My day isn't far away. And our lesson this afternoon, in this final lesson, is entitled, Coming Home. We have a homecoming here, and it's good. It may be good to leave home and go on an exciting journey for a vacation, to visit family, to visit friends, maybe even a business trip. But it's always good to get back home. To come back to familiar surroundings, comfortable privacy, our own normal routine, our own bed. But I will say this, as I look at Lebanon now and what it was when I lived here, it's grown a lot. In the Bible, we read about a boy who left home. He went to his father and demanded his inheritance and got it. We're told in just one stroke of the pen, he wasted his substance in riotous living and fell on hard times. He became the lowest profession for a Jew, a pig herder. I'm not saying it's not a good profession. I'm just saying that for a Jew, it's the last thing in the world he would do. He repented and came to himself and thought, here I am, I would fain eat the husk the pigs eat. And in my father's house, the servants have plenty. So he decided, I'll go home. I'll tell my father I've sinned against God and against you, and I'm sorry if you'll just make me a servant, I'll be happy. And so he started home. The father was longing for him to return, was watching for his return. When he saw him, he ran and fell on his neck, and he must have smelled pretty bad. And kissed him and welcomed him home and cleaned him up and killed the fatted calf. He said, my son was dead and now is alive again. And so we talk about coming home. This boy went back home. We pursue this lesson through two lines of inquiry. Coming back to our earthly home after having been away and going home to heaven 
when our Lord returns to take us there. First, let's consider the blessing of returning home after an extended absence. Trips may be refreshing and exciting, but they're also very tiring. After traveling many miles for many days, it wears us out. The activities we engage in while away may make us tired. Business trips can be taxing. Strangers to meet, business to conduct, sales to be made, positions to be gained, strange rooms, strange beds, strange food, these things can upset us. One time I was invited to hold a gospel meeting in Virginia. And in the middle of that meeting, I made the mistake of saying, I'm eating higher on the hog than I'm used to. I'm used to peanut butter and jelly for lunch. The next day, the preacher said, we're going to this widow's house. We walked in and there was a twinkle in her eye. She said, preacher, be careful what you ask for. You might get it. And sure enough, we had peanut butter and jelly and a glass of milk. And I'm going to be honest with you, I enjoyed it. I'll take it either way, creamy or nutty. I don't care, crunchy. I like peanut butter. And it was really good to get away from all that rich food I've been eating. And then I was young enough to eat it and enjoy it. Now my diabetes makes me look twice at the dessert and walk away, which I did today, by the way. And it was not easy to do. And so it's good to get back home. It's been very wonderful to be here, but it'll be good to get back home to Bell. At home, you have more privacy. Relax a lot easier. Eat your normal foods. Sleep in your own bed. Did you ever thank God for the bed you sleep in? Think about it. I've slept in many a motel room, and no thank you. They just don't compare to my bed at home. Your own personal bed. How tragic not to have one. To get back to your normal routine, let your hair down, be yourself. In general, it's just more comfortable. One of the tragedies our Lord suffered, as we noted in our class this morning, Matthew eighteen twenty, And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Our Lord was homeless. But he had a home. And he's there now. And he's going to come back someday and take us to share it with us. Aren't you glad for the air-conditioned home you live in? Warm in the winter, cool in the summer. Walls to give you privacy. Floors to walk on to protect you from the dirt. Do you know early Americans had dirt floors? Think about that. Their floors weren't dirty, they were dirt. And I heard they would even make designs in them to make their house look a little more pleasant. Barbara decorates the walls, and you can't find a place on our wall to hang anything. When she wants something new, I always say, so long as it doesn't hang on the wall. But our house is very nice, well decorated, she's happy, and guess what that makes me? You're right, happy. Windows can be a wonderful thing. Let in light. 
let you see the beauties that are outside, doors to come and go and to lock in case you don't want somebody there. Have you ever knocked on a door when you knew somebody was there and they wouldn't answer? One time I was a new preacher with a congregation and I went to this house to visit this widow. The elders had asked me to go. And the door was open, but the screen door was locked. It was in Louisiana. And I knocked. The radio was on. You could hear things. And nobody answered. I went home. When I got home, she called me. She said, I thought you was a politician. And they were out trying to get elected. She said, please come on back, preacher. I want to meet you and talk to you. Now, I've been called a lot of things, but I don't want to be called a politician. Just look at the mess we're facing today. And so doors can be important, can't they? Surely we thank God for our homes and we enjoy them. Now, let's consider our spiritual home, waiting for us who are faithful children of God in eternity. Jesus promised he is preparing heavenly mansions for us. John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. Whither I go you know, and the way you know. Not Thomas, known as Didymus, said, Lord, we don't know the way. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Many mansions in heaven, one waiting for you and for me. It's good to go home. And those mansions cannot be compared to the greatest, most lavish home on the face of this earth. Doesn't mean they'll be as big. They won't be physical. In the sense we know it, they won't be made of wood and bricks. I don't know what they'll be made of. I'm anxious to find out. How about you? I know this. It's a mansion, a beautiful place, a spacious place, a place where we can be happy. Revelation 21 talks about how beautiful heaven is, as does Revelation 22, 1 through 5. Look at that one, if you will. Revelation 22, 1 through 5. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of nations. And there shall be no more curse, that means death, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. What a beautiful picture. Can you imagine no graveyards, no funerals? As a preacher, I've preached a few funerals. They're never easy. They always hurt just a little bit. And there's a reminder there. There's a grave waiting for me. I'm going to die. You're not going to live forever on this earth. 
No death there. It will be eternal life there. No tears, no sorrow. Can you imagine a world where there's no pain, no sorrow, no tears? It will be a beautiful, eternal dwelling place. All the trials and troubles and pains and sorrows and tears, agonies of this life are gone. And we'll really, truly be happy forever and ever. We won't ever have to move again. Now, that means something to preachers. Because preachers have moved. That's one reason I'm not still here. I moved. And I ain't blaming anybody. Preachers move. There's only three ways for them to go. That is quit, get fired, or die. The last one, perhaps, is the most tragic. But it's going to happen. I've never seen a preacher move yet, but what somebody wasn't upset about it or glad about it one way or the other. Never seen it happen yet. But preachers move, and so do you. In fact, we live in a very mobile society today. A lot of people move a lot of times. Tom Stipp reminded me, when I lived here, I lived in one house and then moved to another, and he helped me move in January when it was snowing. He said he never saw anybody who could tie it down tighter and pack it better than me. And he helped, and I I remember that. I'm very grateful for his friendship. And now we share grandchildren. Who knows what the world holds? And so you won't ever have to move again. No storm or calamity can threaten your house. Think of the hailstorms and the tornadoes. And the water will be drinkable. How would you like to live in Flint, Michigan? No, thank you. Water, pure, crystal clear. They say there's no such thing as pure water anymore flowing in our streams or in our lakes or rivers. I believe they're probably right. And so we drink bottled water. And I wonder just how pure it is. If you really want to stop and think about it, someday we're going to find out it maybe wasn't as pure as they advertised. How wonderful it's going to be there. Here we're strangers and pilgrims, Hebrews 11:13, on a journey to that home whose maker and builder is God, Hebrews 11:9 and 10, and longing for it. As we hear those crying out in Revelation 6:10, how long, O Lord, how long? There are those who have been martyrs for the cause of Christ who are ready for the world to end, for them to be vindicated and justified, and for those they left behind to join them. There are some faces that are not in this assembly that I remember when I was here. They've died. And we miss them. But there's going to be a homecoming. We're going to join them someday if we remain faithful. What a homecoming that is going to be. I can name some, but I don't want to upset people. And it could emotionally upset us. It does me when I think of dear ones who've gone on before. There can be several reasons for leaving home. A vacation, a business trip, to visit relatives, or, as suggested in the prodigal son, run away. Rebellion. Give me what's mine, let me go. I'm not happy here. Some do return. He came to himself and did. Some never do. There are runaways who are never heard from again. I don't know how people can handle it. 
when a loved one, child, husband, wife, whatever, goes away and never heard from again. You wonder and you wonder what happened to them. Some come back in rebellion, only to demand more and get more and then leave again, get what they can. The best bet is those who come to themselves and return in humility and truly have repented. And so we've talked about coming home. The natural joy and peace and rest of coming back home to our earthly home and the wonderful joy and peace and rest we're going to have when we come home to our eternal home. Jesus is going to come again, gather us, and personally take us back there. There we're going to know what God looks like. He's not a white-haired old man in the sky. He's not a man at all. He's not flesh and blood. He's a spirit. We're going to be able to see the face of God. you remember when he appeared to Moses on the mountain, hid him in the cleft of rock and said, No man can see my face and live. Put his hand over that cleft and passed by. And Moses saw glory, grace, peace, mercy. And when he came down off of the mountain, his face was so bright and shiny that people were terrified and he had to wear a veil till it went away. He saw God, at least the hinder parts. We're going to see God face to face someday. Think about it. <clears throat> Do you believe that? Can you imagine it? We don't know what he looks like. I don't even try to figure that out. Someday we're going to know. What does Jesus look like? I've heard people get in serious arguments over about that. Sermon for another time. Whatever he looked like, he doesn't look that way now. Now he has a different visage. Now he has a spiritual appearance. And we're going to see him like he really is. Remember when Peter, James, and John saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration? It was something they were impressed. We're going to see Jesus. We're going to see the Father. What does an angel look like? I have no idea. They take the form of human beings at times, but that's not what they look like. Someday we're going to see them. And what about those four mighty creatures surrounding the throne that cry day and night, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. We call them seraphims. book of Revelation calls them beasts. Full of eyes, able to go in any direction at once. What do they look like? We're going to know someday if we go to heaven. We're going to see them. Is it really a street of gold? Of course not. John used something to try and describe the beauty he saw. What does the fruit on the tree of life taste like? Sometimes I have jokingly said butter pecan ice cream, but that's not true. I can't eat it anymore because of my diabetes, but oh, I long for it. Once in a while I sneak a bite and pay the price. But what's it going to taste like? Whatever it is, it'll be the most delicious thing we've ever eaten in our life. And we'll never be hungry. There'll be enough all the time for us to be satisfied. Oh, what heaven is going to be like. Coming home, we sang the song. Look at those words again. Think about them. We are going to have a homecoming as the children of God that is beyond our understanding. 
And we're going to be so happy we're there as we see the smoke of the torment of the wicked ascend up forever and ever before the throne of God, like the book of Revelation says it does. We're going to know what we missed, and they're going to know what they missed, and I'd rather be on that side than that side. And I don't mean right or left here. You, I'm not making any judgments here. I simply mean in heaven, not in a devil's hell. We like to hear heaven preached about. We don't really care to hear hell preached about, but I do that once in a while because it's good to know what's there so we'll be sure we don't want to go there. How wonderful it will be for you and for me if we make it there. Are you a Christian? That's who this home is for. If you're not, in a few minutes, we're going to extend an invitation. What if I said there'll be no invitation this message? Would you say, good, we'll get out quicker? Or would you say, wait a minute, I haven't obeyed, this might be my last chance. Did you know a lot of preachers today have quit giving invitations? Even in the Lord's church? Because they say they find them too confrontational. Indeed, they are. We should be confronted. You're going to lose your soul. I need to be confronted with that if that's the case. They say they upset people. I'll never forget how upset I was to find out I needed to obey the gospel, and I'm so glad I did. What if we said no more invitations in this congregation, and you haven't obeyed? Would it upset you? Well, of course, that's not the case. It's going to keep being given, isn't it, Matt? Of course it is. And so will I every time I preach. Aren't you glad? How glad are you? If you're not a Christian, prove it. This may be your last chance. I have preached many times over my 50 years of preaching. Jesus could come before I stepped down out of the pulpit. I was with the congregation for almost 12 years. And as I was leaving, a man came up to me and said, Preacher, you've been preaching for these 12 years. Jesus would come before you could step out of the pulpit. He said, He ain't come yet. I said, No, but He still might. And I'll tell you this, I'm hoping I'm in the pulpit when he does and not doing something I shouldn't, if you know what I mean. Fussing with my wife, whatever. Not that I do that. And so, what about you? Are you a Christian? If not, why not? Look at what we're offering by the grace of God, through the love of Jesus. We're offering to share it with you. How wonderful. So you're going to have your chance in just a moment. Are you a Christian? Have you stumbled? Have you fallen? Have you been unfaithful? Not faithful in assembly, not faithful to give, not faithful to live right. Then you can repent of your sins and confess them to God and pray God to forgive you and come back home. Or if you've never been a faithful Christian, then you can hear the gospel that produces faith. Let that faith motivate you to believe in Jesus and repent of your sins. And confess His name before men as your Savior. And obey His command to be baptized, immersed in water. That you make contact with His blood and have your sins washed away. Then God will add you to the church and you'll be in Christ. And you have the hope of everlasting life. Think about it. We are here to glorify God. Revelation 11.3 3.11 it is. Unto him be glory. I'm sorry. That's Ephesians 3.21. 
Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You can tell I'm 75. (laughs) I make a mistake now and then. Now, think about it. Your duty is to glorify God. If you're not doing it, you'll pay the price. If you are, you'll be blessed beyond anything you can imagine. I can't see heaven except through the eye of faith. You can't either. Someday we can. Will you be there? The plan is presented. The grace of God is poured out. The love of Jesus is revealed. His arms are open wide and he says, Come unto me. If you're subject to this invitation, we invite you to do that as we stand, as we sing.